Hello guys and girls and welcome to episode 45 of the VR Inside podcast. This is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show that is live streamed every Saturday on Nathie's YouTube channel. You can tune into the show live at 7pm in Europe, 6pm in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. If you missed the live stream, you can catch up with the whole show as I re-upload it every Sunday to my own YouTube channel, Virtual Reality Oasis. Or you can check out the audio-only version, which is available on Google Play Music, iTunes, and on SoundCloud. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback during the show, please put them in the chat, and we'll try to answer as many questions as we can. So if you're new to the show, let me introduce you to the team. First up, he's a VR Starship Trooper. This week, he's been protecting the galaxy from those pesky bugs. It is, of course, Nathy. How you doing, dude? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a part of the bug busters, you know? So bug if you ever busters. have a problem with bugs in your, your house, just call me, okay? That's all you have to do. I will make the magic call? happen. Well, the bug busters. Like us <laughs> two, right? I mean, we are we are, we are are part of the bug busters. If, if Rowdy and Zim want to join, they first have to kind of like, you know, do a... Uh, An initiation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we played some Gunheart this week. So we were, we were squashing those bugs together. Fight. <laughs> Fighting and saving the galaxy, just like we do every week. So next week, no, next up, <laughs> <laughs> I confused myself in for a second. I <laughs> so this week, yes. we finally found out the, who the man is behind the suit in the Master Chief suit. It was Rowdy all along, <laughs> all these years. <laughs> we never knew. It was Rowdy. Yeah. How yeah, you doing? Course, you're right. they, they needed a handsome chap for playing the Master Chief, so I thought, you know, why not me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not in my usual environment here. As you can see, I'm at my parents' place. Uh, I had to come in for the weekend because we, we did like a little rehearsal with a band that I still play. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's fun to be back here for like a little while. And uh, I got a, my entire setup with me. So <laughs> every, everything should be running. Yeah. But no, I'm good. Enjoying the weather. Good, I'm good, one. Good. They beat England. It's not coming home. Look, this oh. isn't a football podcast, all right? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, this guy loves nothing more than to sit down by the lake, crack open a beer, get his worm out, and do some fishing <laughs> in VR, of course. <laughs> it is our resident Twitch streamer, Zimtok5. How you doing, dude? You all right? I, I was scared where you were taking that one, Mike, for a second. I was like, literally, he's going to say something about me dropping HMDs in a lake or something like this, because I tell you, it has been a... Um, this month has not been good to to to, to me from a VR side. Like first, no. the go right kicked it, uh, and and then uh, my wife, uh, I gave her the go that Oculus gifted me. So thanks to Oculus. But it has a uh, a dead pixel smack in the right eye, and it's one of those things that like oh, once you oh see God. it, you can't not see it. Like I was like looking for it for ages, and she's like, "No, it's right in the middle." And I look at it, and I'm like, "No." And you know, just like that that feeling washes over you. Like I am never gonna unsee this now. And it yeah. wouldn't have been a problem before, but now it's a problem. And um, oh god! And then this week, and thank you for the recommendation. I think um, it actually helped. Um, I was having issues where my Rift, which is which is well aged, uh, like a fine wine, it is it is aged. It's actually a bit of a battle veteran. It is actually starting to come apart uh, because of the heat. So some of the glue is coming apart on it, and the Velcro yeah. before we had to replace. But it's it started blacking out, and I was like. Uh, is this the end of its life or what's going on? So Mike uh, recommended, and I recommend anyone to do this, is just take the facial interface off and reseat the connection cable. And then, of course, yep. do the same thing at the PC side. And um, so, so far, I've gotten that working again. Um, and 
you know, so, so, so that's at least one problem solved. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're going back towards things getting fixed instead of broken now. Yeah, we need everyone in the chat to do like the fingers crossed emoji. So like, you know, we can pray that Zim's headsets are going to be okay and it make was, it through it was this. Funny the yesterday, uh, so that explains a lot. Of course, of course. It's a bad day. Yeah, yeah, of course. So last but by no means least, myself, host of the show, Mike from Virtual Reality Oasis. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Pimax leaks. Uh, we're going to be talking about the leaks and more importantly, the community reaction to those leaks. Uh, we're going to be talking about Magic Leap, a disappointing demo for some, but I think it's still too early to pass any judgment yet, and we'll be talking a bit more about that. And we're going to be talking about Seeking Dawn. Is this the next big AAA game we've all been waiting for? We'll stay tuned to find out. So first, we'll find out what everyone's been playing this week in the metaverse, and let's kick it over to Zim first, just to see uh, if he did have any success. Like you said, you've had some issues with your headsets, <laughs> but have you actually managed to squeeze in any games? Or... Yeah, I got a few. Um, I got lots of five-minute segments. <laughs> so yeah. it was, I like to do what's called a VR sampler, where we we usually in my three-hour show, we do kind of an hour, an hour, an hour, do three games and, and do that. So I was trying to do that, but with the riff blacking out, it was like five-minute segments instead. So I'd be able to, i get like five minutes in a, in a game, and then it would just conk out. I'd go to the next game, and I'd try to find the five minutes again. So I did a bunch of little things, but um, the, the main ones I played were, uh, you mentioned at the start, was uh, Catch and Release, which is yep. a VR fishing game. Um, I'd say it's 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 a fair bit more realistic. Uh, they actually have you bloody oh, awesome. row your boat like out into the middle of the lake, like oh, literally. Cool. You, you like literally you, you. And the best part about it is, very few VR games do this, but they did it really well. You start, there's nothing. There's like there's you're just in a boat. You're just in a boat. They don't explain anything. You have to go like, okay, grab the oars, and then you kind of figure out how to row, and then you pick up a book, and it has some instructions and fish and stuff. And actually to the point where I played the game for about an hour, and um, I was kind of like, oh, right, that's why I'm not catching anything. There's a little uh, there's a little line under the boat that has the bait on hooks. You're supposed right. to put bait on the hook before you throw it into the lake to actually catch some fish. Oh, really? Ah, I didn't know that yeah, about fishing. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, so were, were you successful? Did you catch some nice fish? Uh, still, actually, no. I <laughs> was at the end of my playthrough. I was wow, the fact this is tough. But they have sandwiches and they have beer, uh, you wow. know, in the boat. Uh, so I was happy with that. And um, yeah. And then I touched a couple of other things, which we'll talk about later. So Seeking Dawn, I know you sure. uh, vicariously watched me play that a little bit earlier. Today. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, I did. Well, whilst I was prepping the show, I was kind of watching you on the other screen. So a sneak peek into my thoughts about the game, Mike. I think. Oh, um, I'm like inside your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, and then, yeah. and then, uh, I played a couple of AR games I've, I've mentioned before: Smash Tanks and uh, Room Racer, which was a new one that launched recently. So, um, I guess I get my thoughts on that one right now. I actually don't like Room Room Racer. Is like a I guess here in the UK is a Skelectric Spike. You've got like a yeah, exactly a car yeah. race set. I don't know what they call them in the states. I've been too long away to, but it's basically if you had like micro machines and a track or whatever, but you do that with yeah. AR and you can build the track, and that is really um, the building the track is really cool. It's quite flexible. You've got terrain objects, works outdoors really large, works indoors really small, like on a table, but. Comparing it to Smash Tanks, like I really like Smash Tanks in terms of its game design. It brings me back and all that. And the objects I feel you get close enough to. Actually, Room Racer is too small. Like the, mm -hmm. the cars are like quite, quite small um, to the point where it's like I'm not getting enough visual detail to actually enjoy racing. And the car mechanics of it like sliding off the track 
it just doesn't feel great. So I'd actually say the Room Racer is probably a skip for people who are considering it. But Smash Tanks is is, is also only two quid. They're all they're all two quid. So if you want to give them a go, then do it. But, yeah. Um, but Room Racer is like a, an AR game that AR. is designed for mobile, right? So it's like yeah. for iOS and Android, I guess. Or... Yeah. And there aren't that many AR games. If anyone knows of them in chat, please call them out because I'm always looking for more of these. I think it's I think AR is a great new environment yeah. and um you know the one that i'm everyone... intrigued about the most just recently that came out was the the walking dead one apparently it's supposed to be quite good oh, I've heard um yeah. so yeah you know maybe we could check that out this week and uh, maybe talk more about it next week so uh, i'm we'll quite intrigued out, by that. <laughs> yeah 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 for sure so um what about you uh Nathie? what have you been playing this week dude yeah so first of all uh rowdy's already boasting this in the chat if you guys want to let us know what you played that would be awesome so we kind of have our own recommendations as well you know since we always give our recommendations so let's share a bit there um but anyway yeah i played a a couple of games i played uh four in total i played two go games and i played two pc vr ones so i played uh on on the go i played (laughs) gunship battle 2 Let's skip that one for now. If you want to watch my video, then go for it. But it's not the most interesting one to talk about, I'm afraid. Okay. Then we have uh, uh, Lila Still. That one was kind of cool. It's like a, uh, a platform game with a 360 uh, dollhouse environment around you. And you had to just uh, control the character with your uh, with your gaze. And you had to, uh, well, lead it through the dungeon. And uh, you had to just turn around all the time. So it's like a swivel chair experience. I love... Uh, go titles that make use out of 360 in a very creative and awesome way so usually mm-hmm. when you have to use that uh in in your favor then it's really nice to do um the only problem yeah. is if you record and you're like wired then you're like just just wrapping yourself up. stuck after a while <laughs> so i still think they should fix that part of, of like recording with the go because with cables it's kind of hard to play go games because they make so much use out of your freedom <laughs> of being wireless that you might run into some issues if you have some wires. Um, And then I uh, played Waba. That one just came out. It's like a little VR patch simulator. You can uh, feed Waba. It's like a, Waba is like a, I don't know, a creature. It's just, it's like a blob, and you it's can like just squeeze it. It's like an interactive tree type thing. Yeah, right? yeah, like a virtual pet, and uh, you can you can feed it, you can uh, uh, wiggle it to sleep, stuff like that. Uh, and right now, it's in early access. There isn't that much you can play. I think you can finish pretty much everything in there for, like in in, in like ten <clears> minutes. <throat> um, but there is a lot more coming. That's what the dev says. And there is a roadmap on Steam. So if you are curious what this is going to be. Uh, at full release, then uh, you might give it a try. It's not that expensive at this moment, but it will get more expensive later when the full thing comes out. So if you're smart and you believe in this, then you buy it now, so you don't have to spend more money on it later, if you know what I mean. But I, I don't, I don't really know this developer, and I don't really know what he made uh, before. So I would just check out the reviews and maybe do some some background checks on everything. And then last but not least, um, I played Gunheart with you, Mike. I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about that one, but I really enjoyed it. It's a co-op. Uh, a multiplayer game and uh, it's it's full of action it reminded me a bit of uh, Warframe, uh, Barterlands uh, Destiny as well it's like a an RPG and you can just uh, uh, play together or play alone and scavenge around, uh, shoot bugs and I don't know, it was a, was a good one, it's just a shame that this is one of those games that is completely 
online, so there's no way you can play it offline. So if their yeah. servers go nuts, mm. then you're also screwed. So yeah. I, uh, but I don't know. We we did see some people in the game. Uh, there were some people on there. They do have a discard as well. I think yeah. that's 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 a smart idea for devs right now to you know make discards to kind of keep the <laughs> momentum going for a little longer at least. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had fun. I think the games were good this week, but I do feel like we're having a dry season at this moment. I'm not sure about you guys, but it's not like we really have that much. A PlayStation is coming with some cool uh, games, but from the PC side, yeah, it seems a bit uh, slow. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. And yeah, like I, I, you know, to touch on uh, Gunheart a bit, you know, the game has improved since I initially played it. Uh, but we did still encounter some bugs, you know, and not the bugs that we were killing. We, we were talking about like in-game bugs. <laughs> where, where uh, we were like, uh, I was falling through the floor a lot. And I think that was because we were using smooth <laughs> locomotion, right? So instead of like yeah. teleporting, yeah. We, we prefer to use smooth locomotion being sort of VR veterans. Exactly. And, uh, and yeah, I was kind of falling through the floor a little <laughs> yeah. bit. But overall, like it, it was a fun one to play. But then we played it for what, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And the gameplay did get a little bit repetitive near the end. And, you know, it didn't sort of mix it up that much because the yeah, bugs true. were, the, you know, the actual enemy bugs were like the same type of models over and over again. Um, but yeah, it, it's a shame because it does show a lot of potential and it's got a lot of like weapon upgrades and oh, character yes. customization and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a shame a game like that doesn't have a thriving community mm. behind it. But I think it's just such an early time in vr's yeah. life cycle to have a thriving online community around yeah. a game like that right now but it is, is showing off the excitement in a way because if yeah, you yeah. let's say play gunheart you can unlock so many things and then when i for example play a little bit bit better than mike i can unlock more as well and then you can share it too you're like hey mike i just bought this what do you think about that or he's like hey did you buy this gun is it good i'm like yeah well i would skip it for now you know and then you kind of get that you know, that's, that's exactly what we want. Kind of like that yeah. team spirit, a little bit like really going on an adventure together. But yes, as you said, it kind of felt a little boring after two hours yeah. of playing it. But, but I think, uh, I think uh, you know, the developers Drifter, they, they also made the uh, the Oasis uh, game, didn't they? You know, exactly. um, which I'm interested to check out as well. So at some point, I'm going to check that out. Um, apparently, it's like a reskin of, of Gunheart. But you yeah, know, yeah. I'm excited that, you know, if Gunheart did well enough that they make a sequel and they, they build on what the format they've already made and make it even better. And that's what I'd be really excited about. Just a thought, lads. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, because there's games that are coming out. And um, I know, Nathan, you say it a lot, you know, where it's like these multiplayer games, they come out and, you know, they get the heralding and, and the VR community kind of comes to them. And then maybe two months later, um, yeah, as, you know, people aren't playing. I, I kind of wonder if like what we used to have, you know, um, mm -hmm. after the 90s had this wave of like, you know, good titles. They came back as classics you could buy unboxed like, you know, 10 years later. I wonder if we'll ever ha see something like that for VR. Because one of the things yeah. that still bites me is like, this was, there was a thing that was so good, you know, four years ago. It'd be Before great to time. see it on modern day headsets. Yeah. You know, I just hope, yeah. I hope some companies are thinking about repackaging because you don't have to recode the whole thing. You just yeah. have to upscale it for current modern head headsets. So uh, yeah, I agree. So sort of like just resell it when the community is there. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. uh, yeah, there's so much that would sell like hotcakes. Yeah, yeah sure. No, I agree. So what about you then, Rowdy? What you been up to, dude? Apart from watching all the football. <laughs> uh, I think the only played, uh, the only game that I played this week was uh, Seeking Dawn. I, I really delved uh, pretty deep into that one, but I'm guessing okay. we'll talk about that just uh, a little bit yes. later. So uh, I'll save my soul, my thought for that one. Yeah, save yourself. <laughs> we don't want to peek too soon. <laughs> yeah. So I'll talk about what I played. Uh, it's kind of one I played recently more than this week, but I just played it with my community. 
And I know the game is super old now, but it was keep talking and nobody explodes. I'm just waiting for Nathie's reaction because this is the face he pulls every time I've asked him to play this game with me. Uh, and that's that he just rolls his eyes and just starts laughing. So me and Nathie never actually played this game together. So I had to reach out to my Discord community and say, hey, will you please help me play this game? Because I need some friends. So um, thankfully, they were really nice. And they actually spent some time like researching the manual and they had a little uh, meeting before we played the game together and sort of worked together to make sure they were all on the same page. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever played the game. So I went in completely fresh, put the headset on. Yeah. And to describe it for players that have never played Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes before, basically one person is in VR and they have the bomb in front of them and you can manipulate the bomb and look at it from different angles. And you basically have the task of defusing it. But everyone around you who aren't in VR who have the manual, the bomb disposal manual, which you can download for free from the internet, uh, has to guide you basically on at, what you're seeing. I got to interject, Mike, at bombmanual.com. Yes, yes, exactly. That's where that's the website, Couldn't right? And you can that download that. Yeah. yeah, amazing. And this is the thing: like every time I post stuff about it, I'm worried I'm going to get like sort of like spied on by the FBI or something that I'm doing something bad. <laughs> but um, but the game was really really fun. Like it's so much fun to play. Like we had an absolute blast. No pun intended. Um, but they were doing it. They were communicating to me via Discord. So I had the Discord uh, in my uh, Rift, and I could hear all their communications, and I could talk directly to them. And then the game just requires real deep communication and understanding of what's happening. So you have to explain exactly what's in front of you. And they basically have to use that information to make sure they give you the right advice and cut the right wires and use the correct codes. And we just had so much fun playing it. And uh, it's a shame because the video didn't really do very well on the channel. But I think we will probably continue just privately as a Discord group and building that community sort of spirit mm -hmm. to keep playing it together because it is a real great game to build that kind of bond with players. Uh, and the great thing is it's available on the Oculus Go and Gear VR. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you have a headset and you want to take it to a party, mm -hmm. just print off some manuals, give them to some friends, get some beers going. And just absolutely like roar with laughter about how sort of fun this game is. So I can. Mike really is a little. It. Mike is a little old school. He's still printing manuals while you can just show them on on someone's phone. Uh, no, I I I go old schooler than that. I get like a stone tablet and just like kind of like. <laughs> Here's my treasure it. map. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. So it's one that I would highly recommend. Uh, probably good one for like uh, you know. Uh, corporate sort of events where you want to build sort of relationships with like employees yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, what platform did you play it on, Mike? Was it uh, PC or Go? So I played it on Rift purely because we were communicating via Discord. Right. But I'd love to play it via Go at a party or with some friends locally. Yeah, I want to see what it, what it does because I mean, it's 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 a really great game. I mean, it was it's ancient. I mean, it's 2014, I think, when it first. Yeah, it's super old. Like we're talking UK one days, so right. I, I'm a bit behind the curve. But the big the biggest disappointment to me in that game was that there wasn't more because and I talked to the guy who created it last year uh, at OC um, when you first start up the game on PC anyway you enter a code you enter a code for the bomb manual and the the idea originally was like okay this is going to be great a modular title you'll have one bomb manual different types of puzzles and then eventually they'll come out with you know the second bomb manual or a third right. one or even right. create a procedural engine um, yep. and they never did that and I thought it was a real uh, missed opportunity. That's a perfect example, by the way, to frame it of 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 that idea, uh, mm. you know, to be reprojected in the future. Because that kind of that could be re-released, you know, five years from now and still do yeah. fantastically. Well, you'll be pleased to know there is actually a mod, uh, a Steam Workshop mod, um, available for the Steam version. So if you're on a Steam, you can install the mods and actually download the mod 
manual that the community have created and they've gone like awesome. they've taken the concept and like doubled down on it like it is hard as balls like the mod version so if you if you're really interested in a challenge oh. go and check that out so i think you'll like that zim nice nice thanks i didn't know about that did you uh did you end up beating the game then oh god no <laughs> like uh, <laughs> we, we, we probably got about like five yeah. or six bombs in and we started gelling at that point and getting a rhythm so i definitely want to explore more because i think it's got more to uh to yeah, add to the game to. you need um, to so it, i'm looking forward to horrible. jumping back in they, they keep on mentioning it every day so i'm sure like we will be playing again Good. soon Good. Okay, so uh, let's start it off with some quick news this week. So first up, we're going to be talking about Beat Saber Arcade. So VR arcades around the world will be rejoicing right now, as now you can buy a commercial license to play Beat Saber in your VR arcade. <coughs> so Beat Saber is arguably one of the best arcade-style games in VR right now. So it's a real smart move from Beat Games, like uh, the spin-off sort of development studio from Hyperbolic Magnetism. And uh, the reason this is important is because to run an arcade legally you need to have like a commercial license for these games you can't just buy like you know the normal version from oculus or steam and then just say yeah everyone just play my game and pay me money for my arcade you can't do that it's against the law so you actually have to buy a consumer uh, a sort of a sort of commercial license and i know that so they they are super expensive but if you've got a good range of titles and you know vr arcades kind of is what i see traditional arcades having a second life here because you know a bit like original traditional arcades you know the the hardware is expensive and not many people are that interested in maybe spending a lot of money to invest in vr if they've never tried it before it's the perfect opportunity to try vr and that's kind of one of the things we say so regularly is that you really need to try vr to believe it so i'm really sort of behind this kind of vr arcade concept and uh, I know that Servios, mm -hmm. the studio that makes raw data and Sprint Vector, they're really behind the, the concept as well. And they've actually made their own VR arcades that they're pushing with their own titles as well as others. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Uh, it's cool that Beat Saber is getting another sort of life in terms of that sort of realm. And uh, I think it's a great way and a great game to show off to yeah. people that maybe uh, have never tried VR before. So I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's happening. I'd like well, to I see a, a cabinet. I'd actually like to see a cabinet, you know, where you actually put on a headset, um, you have the controllers or whatever, but then it's yeah. almost broadcasting, like it's got speakers and some kind of display that you could actually well, put in. You know, they use that concept. Uh, there's a series of pubs in the UK that use that concept, and it's like a VR pub. So you can sit there having a beer, but watch people in these segregated booths yeah. playing their games with little screens above the booth, so you see exactly what they're seeing, which is a really neat concept. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also while we're on the subject of VR arcades, I just wanted to sort of ask, like, I know that Rowdy's been to a VR arcade before, but have you actually seen any like locally in your area or have you seen any while you've been on your travels? Well, I, I live in a city, so it's, it's a little bit more common for it to be like in bigger mm. cities. So we have a VR, I have not been there though. I have been uh, to a VR arcade in another city, uh, mm -hmm. which we're starting up. Uh, right. It, it is something that I can see some potential in it, but it's only as long as like VR stays like not really mainstream. I think I think once everyone will have a VR headset, that these kind of arcades will not really uh, keep on going uh, that strong. Um, yeah. But there is indeed a VR arcade near me. Um, indeed, yeah. Yeah. 
I think they probably have a good life in them, like maybe three or four more years, like you say. But then maybe when the technology is so cheap, like if it's if you can get two hundred pounds and you get like a riff like experience now, then like you yeah. say, the kind of incentive to go to an arcade probably isn't yeah. there. But we're, yeah, we're the, the, the only thing is, what they if they could do, for example, those kind of like systems, like for example, you have those racing simulators, you right, which cost like literally ten thousand dollars. Like you yeah. can't have that in your own house. True. If they will do that as well, with like treadmills or like those balls yes. that you can yes. run in or whatever, they they can you know extend the longevity like that but uh, otherwise i don't if it's only like an oculus or an hc5 then yeah it, it really i think it really depends on how they they reinvent themselves and how they go with uh with time you know but yeah. yes simulators like very expensive ones are, are definitely a, a smart one yeah. plus like when i was in america there was one on the hollywood boulevard wow and that's like a busy place there was like a yeah. vr gate there i was like okay like is that's that awesome. even, that's like the the main spot to be in you know to uh to have like a but i would love to see some more teaming to uh vr arcades like my brother just went to uh, uh you know the vr arcade in dubai that's like you know it's all themed you yeah. know you have places where let's say you take a train ride then you actually step into a train um and you can become iron man then you step into a suit you know so they're like like all kinds of things there that kind of get you even more immersed than you already are. Yeah, I think yeah. like stepping into a place and already see something like like a Disneyland kind of theme thing mm -hmm. will mm -hmm. definitely help even more to the immersion to really feel like you're there. So the thing I see the most still are those like little capsules where you like sit in. And it's like a roller coaster and it's like it's just I, I see that like everywhere. Yeah, and I think that's the problem because like experiences like that specifically specifically roller coasters they just make people feel a little bit rough and I think. It's a bad experience for your first experience in VR. You know? There was a there was a really interesting thing at VRLA when I went uh, just a couple of months ago, where they had it looked like an ice cream van, but the it would like it would like fold out. You had these panels that would be set up, and so you'd have like the perfect like easy to set up in like two hours um, oh. VR cube, and right. and you could bring that to like corporate events and stuff, and that's what they did. And I think they were called Exit. I can't remember, but it's essentially I think it was called like Exit Reality or something like that. Mm. And, and they had a couple of these at the event showing, but it, it was funny because they, they they weren't there obviously on a corporate event, but they'd been hired to then demonstrate someone else's someone else's VR yeah. setup because they didn't want to buy TVs, they didn't want to buy yeah. a local yeah. live. They were flying into the country, so I thought that was pretty neat. And then I've seen yeah. it, I've seen it at actually some of the Twitch parties that we had in London. Uh, one of the places they went to, which is a large gaming venue, had large uh, cubic you know green screen spaces with yeah. five on one and a rift on the other so i've seen a nice yeah, yeah so yeah if, if you've seen any in the chat like put them in the comments because i'm sure other people would love to know if you've yeah, got I've one seen, to you. i've seen people already mentioning the one in dubai and i also saw that uh, alexander said yeah arcades have always lived by something that you cannot do at home or can't do easily at home and i think that's that hits the yeah. nail on the hat you know if you yeah. if, if it's if it's only 300 euros for an oculus rift then people are not going to like no. go to your arcade but indeed, yeah. if it's like, uh, you know, some high expensive system, something that they can't afford at home or something they can't do at home, like a theme park, uh, <laughs> then I think you got something. There's a, yeah. there's a slightly different slant to this, though, because like one of the things I used to do um, about 10 years ago, like big time, I was running uh, running LAN 
events and having local land parties at these places where you had like a land cafe with 30, 40 PCs. One of the other aspects isn't just the draw of, of the money, but it's actually the social side. Like if yeah, you can get into a, into a pod with 12 mates and you're playing Counter-Strike yeah. or something, oh, yeah, but it's I a totally think, different I experience than over the web. But then again, you don't have 12 vibes at home. You know, if, if there's an arcade that has 12 vibes and you can play something together, that'd be awesome, yeah. right? That, that'd be really be cool. No, but like the, the arcades that introduce like the more social experiences are are doing the best right yeah. now where they yes. have like a big space where you can uh, fight yeah. some some aliens and things that's that's what i see like like more and more in arcades than the really lonely stuff but let us know like if you ever went to an arcade and how it was like did yeah. you come or did you feel like it was kind of i still feel like the teaming can be better you know, yeah. I think like you don't want to go into an empty space. You really want to kind of feel like you're going to some place, you know, like you're in a queue. Like when you go to Disneyland and you 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 step into Space Mountain, you're first like in a queue that really feels like, you know, you kind of get the vibe already before experiencing it. So mm. I don't know. So talking about uh, VR arcades, uh, this is pretty exciting because Mario Kart VR GP is coming to the O2 Arena yeah. in London <laughs> the 3rd of August. So this is super awesome news because this was kind of previously only available in Japan. Yeah. And basically it is a Mario Kart in VR. Like it was actually licensed by uh, Nintendo, made by Bandai Namco. And they've got this awesome little go-kart that you sit in. They put Vive trackers on both of your hands and you've got a full steering wheel set up. And you're actually moving around and playing Mario Kart in VR, throwing shells and all that kind of thing. So I'm super excited the fact that this is coming. And uh, I'm going to try my best to go as early as I possibly can to check it out. And hopefully I'll be able to let you guys know what it's like. Or even if you guys can come along as well and we could all That'd play it awesome. together, that would be even better. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah. So uh, moving on then from VR Arcades to Stifled. Uh, this week, Getai Games launched Stifled for PC VR on Steam and Oculus Home. Mm. Now, the game originally released on PSVR on Halloween last year, and it's a horror game that has a unique twist. So you kind of you wake up from a car crash, you're essentially blind, you can't see anything, and then you use the microphone in the headset. So when you say something or make a noise, then that sends a sound wave uh, through the sort of darkness and gives you like a wireframe uh, sort of uh, outline of the world in front of you so you can navigate through the environment that way. So it means that you keep on having to make noise to navigate through the environment, which is kind of an interesting mechanic, a nice sort of unique spin on the game. Mm -hmm. But also there's probably elements in the game where because it's a horror game, you also have to be very, very quiet. So a bit like in Alien Isolation, where you would like hide in a locker and they use the microphone. So if you made any noise, the alien would know where you are and rip you out. Whereas, you know, you've got to keep very, very quiet as well, which is, is easier said than done if something is jumping in your face, as Zim knows so well, you know, <laughs> watching his stream earlier, even with aliens jumping out at him, he was kind of like making these noise, which is natural reaction to something like that. So uh, I'm kind of intrigued by this one. Uh, I know that some people uh, have played it on PSVR already. Um, I tried it. And you, uh, did you enjoy it, Raddy? Like, did you have fun with I, it? Well, the, the problem is I played this on a, on a conference where I was invited to with the, before ah. the game was actually released. And it was very noisy on that conference. So <laughs> the, the microphone, right. although they did it very smart, though, the, the microphone does have like a gating feature. So you need to first like it, it calculates like the, the background noise that you have in your room. Yep. And then after that, it will like, you know, uh, it, it uses a gate basically to cut that noise out. Uh, so that's actually very well done. Um, right. It, 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 I only played like, I think like the first maybe 10, 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. Very cool concept, very original. Uh, I can't really speak if the game really becomes that more 
interesting, but it did feel yeah. like a, a very nice change to like what I usually play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a, a nice change. For, but from what I've heard, it's relatively short. So about maybe two to three hours max. Um, and there's no interactivity with the touch controllers, just so you're aware of that as well. Like you only use the touch controllers to navigate like the thumbstick uh, or you could use oh. a traditional gamepad. So it's not got really any sort of interactivity in terms of the world, but it's a unique experience. So, you know, it, it, I'm actually looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it also sounds I, I really like bite sized stuff for the for the stream, but um, it reminds me really strongly of Papa Sangre. I don't know if any of you know that it was a mobile yeah. game that was audio only. Um, literally, there's nothing on screen. That's you, right. You close your eyes and you navigate that way. It's 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 a disturbing game to play <laughs> because all you hear is like sniffly big dogs and you know chains, and you're trying to move through this environment that way. Mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 weird, but looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So if you buy the game on Steam as well, you get the non-VR version, so you don't have to have a VR headset to check this game out. Hmm. Uh, it's fifteen forty-nine in British pounds, nineteen ninety-nine in US dollars on Steam and Oculus Home. However, if you buy it on Steam, you get 10% off because it's just launched. Obviously, you can check it out on PSVR as well now. So that is uh, Stifled. Is Stifled, so, a, was it built for VR though, Mike? Or was it a 2D and VR edition? I don't it's, know. It's a, it's a gamepad title. So it's not like you're using your controllers as far as I know. So it's... Yeah, that's right. It doesn't say that it's not VR then, but I mean, uh, it's it's a yeah. little different than you might be used to. It's like, it's really a seated one, right? It's not really a standing... Uh, I, I played the, the 10 minutes just to check it out that I played. I played it standing up, and I'll probably play the rest of the game standing up. Smooth locomotion, so uh, it depends if you're sort of used to that or not. Um, but it's kind of like, I like the fact that it's a bit unique. And and like you said, in, we've got this dry season right now. Oh, yeah. I'm up for trying out unique and, and strange games, so yeah. uh, it's one of my radar. Cool. Um, but going on to another PlayStation uh, bit of news, uh, the developers from Subnautica are porting the game to PlayStation. But unfortunately, uh, the developers are called Unknown Worlds, by the way, and they've teamed up with Panic Button to bring the port over to PlayStation. Nope. Um, but the problem is that it's only going to be the Pancake game. They're not actually going to be porting over the VR version of the game for nope. PSVR users. So PSVR users are understandably a little bit upset about that because, you know, the game, uh, I know Zim really enjoyed that game uh, in VR. Like it makes it more immersive and i know the game had its problems you know sometimes with the text being a bit too crazy close and the menu system being a bit off and that didn't have any interactivity in terms of touch controls either you needed to use a control pad uh, or the touch controllers just as a controller um but it's a shame that they're not getting the the, the vr version of it because it's kind of cool right zim yeah i'm I, like i'm i'm sorry that they're not moving it over with this announcement I also am kind of pissed at them because they said that there was only going to be a couple of months for them to then VR patch the base game. So they're like, you can see they're taking the value in Subnautica. I think they're doing a smart thing. So maybe this is the long game they're playing. Because mm -hmm. if I was them and you're looking at their bottom line, what you really want is you want cash so that you can inject it and do the things you want to do. Moving to PlayStation is a great idea because then yeah. it opens it up to that market i don't know if it's coming to xbox as well or if they actually got a payout from sony if they did then that's even more money in their pocket for them to then go back and smooth things over vr wise and then potentially i mean psvr could do it we've seen similar games and this is the thing, like the, the devs that they're working with, Panic Button Games, actually ported to the top over to PSVR. Yeah, so it's not so it's not like they don't know how to do it. It's just that I think this is what they said in a statement. They said, um, we haven't made any decisions about PSVR. However, the performance challenges of stuffing Subnautica onto yeah. consoles is already daunting. 
High frame rates are crucial for VR. We already are battling hard to achieve stable, consistent (laughs) FPS above 30 on consoles anyway. And VR requires 60 plus frames per second. Perhaps in the future, once we've achieved strong performance on PS4, we could revisit the question. But for now, it's safe to assume that PSVR is not on the horizon. Yeah, the answer to that is Sony said no. Well, yeah, it doesn't hit their QA, you know, that's probably, and and that's the great thing about Sony is they have this high barrier to entry. You know, if you want a game on their platform, it needs to hit that quality barrier. So it's fair enough. But it makes sense that they first want to hit like, you know, the the main market, because no matter how you turn it, the PSVR market is, it's compared to the PlayStation market, it's it's a fraction. There's only a fraction of the people that have a PlayStation VR compared to the people that have a PlayStation. So it makes sense that they first want to get that thing running out smoothly before they're gonna hit uh, the PlayStation VR as well because it's an addition. It's not just pressing a button and there we go. You know we have PlayStation yeah, exactly. VR now as well. There's a lot of development, testing, all of the extra effort that needs to be done there for only a fraction of the market, which of course is disappointing for that fraction. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense from a business perspective to yeah, first wanna wanna go to the the big one. Well, yeah, and it's a shame because like I'm sure the PlayStation 4 Pro is capable of running it, but you don't want to seg- segment the market. I'm sure Sony are like, well, if it doesn't run on the original PlayStation, yeah. then you don't get anything at all, basically. Yeah. Uh, the other but thing- I mean, uh, Subnautica is like the perfect example of, of a game from the DK1, DK2 days that yep. is like, and that's why Zimzat, we need to have more DK1 and DK2 like demos come to, like they mm. need to make a comeback because they could be amazing right now. For a lot of people out there, and then they can also come to PlayStation VR. And 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 with these guys, these guys, the thing, having seen what Subnautica was and how terrible the performance was, like <laughs> mid and late game originally, they have extended, 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 added story, like a backbone of story, polish, 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 polish. But still, you can see if you're playing through the game, like if you put 20, 30 plus hours into the game, you'll see that mid sequence and late sequence stuff doesn't perform as well. And so yeah. I'm not surprised at all that it's a challenge. I would actually almost rather see the team retool, you know, reap what they can with platform releases and then come back with Subnautica yeah. too. Like I, I would add, so from the ground up, they know what they're building architecturally and they can make it perform right the way through the game. That, that's what I like so much about this because, you know, the, their game was in development way before like, you know, VR was actually really a thing. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that developers already now see like the potential of VR, which means that if they make their ne- next game, they're going to keep that in yeah. the back of their mind saying like, oh, if we need to make a next game, like maybe we should use implement this and this and this already for that we can also access that VR market immediately. So I think that's a really cool thing that you see developers now already like making new games that are actually going to be aimed at like uh, virtual reality. I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, cool. One thing from chat then, Mike, just to mention it. Um, so someone was saying, oh, I really love Subnautica as well, but I wish it had co-op. And so for those who don't know, there's actually been a mod in the works for some time. It's quite yeah. a pain to, you have to, you have to compile the code yourself but it is actually in working format. And there are YouTube videos of this. You can get multiplayer bases and multiplayer Subnautica working, and you can do that even in VR. So that's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty rough right now, and I'm waiting for that to come out. I can't remember the name. It starts with N, Noxus or something like that. But look it up so, if you're interested. Subnautica multiplayer is definitely something I want to be doing. So, so what you're saying is you can play Subnautica in co-op. You just need to write the game yourself. That's pretty much. Pretty awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to our one of our main topics today, and that is the Pimax leaks. So if you're blissfully unaware of all the craziness, 
that happened on the internet yesterday surrounding the Pimax 8K. Let me break it down for you. So a throwaway user account posted on all the major VR Reddit pages about leaked reports from M1 beta testers of the Pimax 8K. Now, the M1 beta testers aren't secret. They're people that we know and respect uh, from the VR community, such as Martin, a.k.a. Sweeviver, Sebastian from Mixed Reality TV, and Thomas from Voodoo DE. Now, these guys were selected by Pimax to have hands-on testing with the device so they can thoroughly test it and provide critical feedback to things that should be ironed out prior to the consumer launch. Mm. Now, it's not necessarily unusual for a device uh, to do this, you know, provide it to people prior to launch to get it tested. It is kind of unusual that the, pub the, the testers are being sort of publicly named. I think that's kind of a bit of a strange move, but, you know, it is what it is, and they were happy to do it. But these guys are, like, under real strict... NDA. So what that means is non-disclosure agreements. So they can't talk about what's happening behind closed doors publicly. They can't talk about the testing. They can't talk about the results. They can't talk about anything. It's basically just between them and Pimax for the testing phase. So the feedback for the device that they were doing was sort of delivered through a closed private forum hosted by Pimax. And someone somehow took screenshots of those posts and then posted them publicly on Reddit. Now, a lot of them sort of were very negative. A lot of the feedback was very negative. And as a result, the internet kind of had a bit of a meltdown over the whole thing and everyone was just going crazy. So the thing is, like, like I said, most of the stuff was negative, but then we found out a lot of uh, information after the fact uh, from the beta testers directly. So, you know, Sui, Voodoo and, um, and Sebastian, they all kind of went on to Reddit to kind of clear the air a little bit and sort of say a little bit how it was uh, without sort of breaching the NDA themselves. So they were sort of saying that the, the leaks that were provided uh, showing their feedback was kind of in the early days of testing. Like they'd only had hands on with the headset maybe for a matter of days. And that a lot of those things that they were initially complaining about have kind of been fixed or are in the process of being can fixed. We, can we put a time perspective on that? Do you know uh, when they initially got uh, the Pimax? What, what, what was the date yeah. around that? Yeah. So it was about a month ago. It was about a month ago. So we're talking like, you know, those posts were probably about three weeks old and they've been sort of shipping out different uh, iterations of lenses, uh, different uh, software patches and all this kind of stuff. But what I can say is, you know, like, I'm the first to admit it. I was kind of worried when I saw this feedback because I backed the Pimax myself, more so because like I'm interested in the technology. I'm interested in the advances in technology, kind of interested in the VR industry moving forward as well with these big leaps rather than just iterations. So that's kind of why I backed it myself. However, you know, these guys were like, look, the, the leaks are obviously true. They've got our names written all over them. You can see that uh, they are real. However, they are very old. And all we can say right now is that these issues have been fixed and that we've got faith in the product. So, you know, I trust these guys. They're sort of respected members of the VR community. We communicate with them daily anyway through various sort of channels. And I would say that the positive that came out of it for me, and you could probably take some positive out of this as well, is that if you actually read some of this feedback, it's very, very detailed and very specific from these guys that they didn't believe in the product as it stood at that particular point. And they were like, this cannot be released to the public in its current state. And that's kind of reassuring to me because if I was in their position, which is a, a position of great responsibility, in my opinion, that they have this great task ahead of them to be honest and say, look, 
this isn't ready for consumer release yet. You can't open the gates and let this out there in its current state. And that's why I do respect them. Uh, I think they do have a tough job ahead of them. And I really hope that Pimax listen to this critical feedback and apply the necessary fixes to get it right yeah. for consumer launch. I think the, the worrying thing for me as a backer when I hear stuff like this is the lack of response yeah, the from thing. Pimax themselves yeah. because yeah, they still haven't addressed this themselves. Mm -hmm. And it took the testers, you know, Sui, Voodoo, and Sebastian from Mixed Reality TV to go to, to Reddit and defend it. And I'm like, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing to try and reassure the community, but that shouldn't be your job to do that. And at the same time, the community needs to realize that these guys are not associated with Pimax at all because there's a lot of yeah. community response to the testers directed at them saying, oh, but you do this. If the device fails, it, it is not their fault. They, are, they, have, no. they don't have any association with the with the company. Yeah. That is something that is, that is very important because I can see that if, if this, dev this device does not deliver, a lot of people will direct their anger at, at those people, the testers yeah. that were responsible for, and that is not the case. It is Spymax that is responsible for delivering a product that they promised. And I think that is a very important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, these guys aren't being paid to do this. You know, they're doing it out of their own free time, out of their own passion for the VR community and making sure that this product releases in the best possible state it can. Uh, all they get out of it is the fact that they get a Pimax for free, you know, well, big deal, you know, for the amount of hours that I've heard that these guys are putting into testing these headsets, you know, it's nowhere near the price of the headset. You know, what's the, the, the price, like $800? Well, you know, they're, they're spending like sometimes up to 12 hours a day from what I've heard behind the scenes testing this thing and providing critical feedback. So, uh, so it was kind of just kind of the reason why I wanted to say that was kind of put out the flames a little bit because I know, you know, myself included, I get triggered about these kind of things sometimes and uh, people make overreactions and uh, they mm. get sort of a bit crazy and caught up in the hype. Everyone's sort of being negative about it. But ultimately, you know, we are uh, VR enthusiasts. We want the VR, you know, uh, community to thrive. We want VR industry to be pushed forward and to grow. And I think the Pimax is an interesting and important part of that, mm -hmm. you know, because they are trying to do something that no one else has done yet. And I think that's the important thing to remember. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, uh, so in the chat as well. He's, uh, he's directing us a little bit. He said that Pimax has said there is no reason to defend this. The team is uh, confident, just like we are. And there is no need to create any more drama over stuff that has mostly been resolved already. I, I kind of disagree with what he's saying, because yeah, I think... Too. Had had Pimax just come out the gates and said, look, we're aware of these leaks. However, they all these problems have already been addressed. They're very old. They're like three, four weeks old. We've reiterated from them. We're moving on to M2 testing now. It's, it's a lack of worry. response that is, that is worried. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, worried. I think like the, most of these, these trust issues and this drama just, just uh, comes from the fact that they are not communicating. Yeah. yeah. And the longer you don't communicate, the, 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 the worse it gets. You know, if they just communicate... And people know what what they can expect and what what and that's the thing that that's that has been going on from the start where they weren't very clear and then you start to think like okay this 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 money i put into this headset is it is it good and and now this reddit stuff as well people are like uh can polymax just say what is going on here mm -hmm. and and i think it's brave that that uh Sui and the other guys uh went in there to kind of you know try to do the work for Pimax. um 
because if they would have not done that, I don't know what would have happened to Reddit in the first place. Yeah. So, but yes, like Pimax isn't really talking, you know, yeah. uh, maybe make a video, you know, and, and, yeah. and have like two people from Pimax sitting there uh, answering some, some of the questions, you know, yeah. like, like Magic Leap did with like their live stream where they answer things from people, you know, yeah. do something like that. Just get the yeah. communication rolling until the launch. And then everyone feels so much better about it in the first yeah. place. Mm. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I understand what Sui's saying that they don't feel like they need to defend it, but I think they they do. You know, I think that, like you say, communication is the key. And even if it was just like a live stream every week, just to say this yeah. is the progress, I think that would help out reassure the community. A they now bit more. it feels like they now like the the testers are like the spokesman for the company, and yeah. in the end, it's it's that that's not good for them, and it's yeah. and it's not good for the community. It needs yeah. to be Pimax themselves who address the stuff. You know, well, I have to take the contrary point here though, because like what what is the benefit to them they aren't openly selling at this stage right okay there is reputational potential impact from these leaks but mike kind of what you said about you know the internet kicking itself up into a tizzy is applicable here i mean usually if i say it any any day on reddit there is something that takes that forum's attention right yeah something, of course. something. Yeah. and and generally if there's a bias it's towards the negative and of course and so like from a corporate perspective, if you get like if if you get involved in the media engine at this stage in their kind of sensitive life cycle mm. of trying to develop this product and get out the door, you could cost yourself weeks or months. And well, that's the only for, problem because then you're managing me, another pipeline. For me, it was Swee saying, you know, privately to us, don't worry, lads, you know, it's going to be OK. And I'm like, I trust the guy because, you know, I know he's like really been committed to VR for a long time now, as we all have been. You know, he's, he's put his channel on hold to, to commit to testing this thing. And if, if he is saying, look, dude, it's going to be OK, then I trust the dude. You know what I mean? Like, but the thing is, not everyone in the community has that access to him. So when he did went on, go on, on Reddit, I thought it was very brave of him to do so because I think he got a lot of backlash for it uh, uncalled yeah. for. Yeah. But also, I think it shouldn't be him. That's that's standing there and saying this is wrong. That it should be. But everyone in the chat saying as well that uh, communication does not need to happen because it's like behind the scenes. But this is a Kickstarter product that is backed by a community, and with Kickstarter, there's like so much more levels of like additional insecurity because you don't know if they will deliver a product because it's 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 not in the guidelines to actually deliver a physical product. They they need to deliver something, but if that device needs to work as intended, that is not guaranteed with with a Kickstarter product. This would a lot of those like funded kind of things. So I think it's very important that if if they have a, a Kickstarter product that they are very very transparent to their backers. I think it's I think it was a mistake in the beginning already to start with an NDA because I think that a device like this should not have an NDA because you need to have that full transparency to your backers, to the people that believe in your product that that support your product. I think that is that is the, the first mistake that they made. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this develops because, you know, we're, we're already delayed, you know, of course, but we kind of guessed that that was going to happen anyway. And and right now they're just working on the headset. You know, we haven't even started on re- revisions of the controllers or the base stations yet. So I'm sure that's going to take time in itself as well. But, you know, if, if you backed it a bit like me, you, you took the risk, you knew what you was getting into. And like me, you just wanted sort of something new to come out. Uh, you know, the industry to grow a little bit more and develop. So I've got my fingers crossed for it. I hope it can deliver on what it promised. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, we'll have some more information from from the guys, uh, you know, about what it's actually like. Fingers I think, crossed. Yeah. I think so, they're yeah. on a timer, to be honest. I think I think whatever Oculus is going to come out with an Oculus Connect, 
I mean, we don't know what Vive has up their sleeve other than, you know, the, the pro that was released earlier in the year, but I yeah. really think they're on a timer. I mean, it does offer, it does have some unique selling points, right? Pimax, mm. and the, the ultra wide display is, is very different from anything else in the offering. So I think yeah. there will be specific, irrespective of how good or bad the product is in the end, there are going to yeah. be specific use cases where the answer is buy a Pimax. Yeah, I think that's already also, part I mean, of it. There are like investors behind this as well, and they want to see also something happen after a while. It's not yeah. like you can continue to just, you know, uh, work on the headset. You need to release it after a while. I mean, yeah. yeah. I know. They are focusing so, uh, like on this year, like at the end of this year, at least, right? It's going to... Uh, yeah, well, I hope so, deliver. because, you know, I think originally it was at the beginning of the year, but, you know, of course, it, it's a difficult nut to crack this one. You know, no one's done it yet. They're, they're paving the way themselves. So hats off them for doing something bold like this in the first place. Um, we just have to stay tuned and see what happens. But all I would say is, like, don't necessarily believe all the hype. Uh, you know, listen to what these guys are saying. They're the ones that have actually got it in their hands and are testing it. If they're saying, you know, have anything to worry about, I trust them enough to believe in them and say, yeah, okay, let's just see what happens and see what the final product looks like. Okay, so let's move on to some more uh, hardware <laughs> that got a bit of a backlash this week from the internet. It seems like everyone was hating on the, the, the whole XR industry this week. So it's kind of like a, a popular thing to do right now. It's fashionable. Hate on VR. It's, it's hip. <laughs> It's hip. You want to be a hipster? Hate on VR. So uh, let's. So this is this is what happened. So if you're unaware, this was all to do with like Magic Leap. So Magic Leap is uh, an augmented reality device similar to that of the Microsoft Hololens. However, it's kind of looking to push the industry forward even further with its light field technology, which essentially beams the light straight into your eyeballs and merges the sort of analog world around you with the digital one. It's a very sort of like uh, ambitious project. It's jam-packed with technologies such as eye tracking, uh, fingerless, uh, sort of gloveless uh, hand tracking. And they've received like over $2 billion in funding or something like that. They've got like CEOs mm -hmm. from the biggest companies in the world backing them, such as the CEOs from Google, Alibaba, and Qualcomm. They're all sort of on the board of directors. Uh, but this week, Magic Leap hosted a live stream on their YouTube channel. <laughs> And uh, they discussed some news and, and things like that and some like typical updates as they would in a live stream. But the thing that triggered everyone the most <laughs> was a little man throwing a rock. <laughs> it just absolutely got people going insane about this thing. And this is the thing is, is because previously we've seen some really spectacular demos, right? We've seen uh, robots coming through walls, fighting drones, uh, Star Wars characters that feel like they're in your room. Uh, a big whale leaping through oh, yeah, like a whale. gymnasium floor and yeah. wowing everyone. And then it kind of boils down to this bloke throwing a little rock. And uh, so people were kind of angry about it. So I watched the whole live stream just to kind of get a kind of sense of it. And I can put it more into context. So the reason why the demo was so basic was because it's actually part of what Magic Leap are calling Magic Kit Lessons. So what this is, is for developers. So these kits are going out to developers end of summer. So it's not even ready for consumer launch, I don't think even this year. I think it's going to be probably early next year. But what this is, is that they're trying to condense the four years of experience they've got using this device and its capabilities yeah. into easy digestible lessons for developers to just put the headset on and understand straight away in a very quick and easy, simple to understand way the, the the new rules, the new rules of this new world, because it's a new medium. You know, no one really knows the rules. No one really knows how it works. 
and you've got gestures a bit like HoloLens, you know, you're touching things, which we're not really used to because we're used to control inputs like with controllers. Mm. So uh, this particular lesson with the little man throwing the rock is actually called Dodge. And it's designed for new users to show them how the new rules apply with a device like this. And they stated that when the users put like a magic leap on and they see a, a virtual object in their real world space, it kind of takes the brain a little moment to kind of work out whether it's real or not. And you kind of look around it, which you can because, you know, it's persistent in the world. So you can look around it from different angles. And what they wanted to sort of show in this demo is that a persistent object in the world, you can actually move around it and it can actually interact with you by throwing stuff at you and you can actually dodge those objects. And then if you look in the demo very closely, you'll see that when the, the guy throws a rock and the guy dodges it, it actually goes straight over his shoulder and then hits a wall which is mapped in real time in the headset, which is actually really impressive technology. So I kind of understand the community backlash about it because you've gone from these spectacularly huge things yeah. to just like a guy throwing a rock. This, but there's one for thing as well. Like there's so many, um, you need to keep in mind that this is, they made a selection process. So they, they, they have a lot of applications probably ready. They have a lot of technology in the headset and they recorded a ton of videos. And this one was the one that they selected to be the best to show to the general public. So there's a ton more content that they have recorded and made that is worse than the <laughs> yeah. one that they're showing right now. And that, yeah, that is, maybe, that is maybe it is better. Like, like, like I, I, heard, I heard someone say that they could go for a marketing trick that have met, like many people have used that before where you go for something super underwhelming and then bam. But here's that actual wheel you were talking about. No, but like something that is more they're going the other way around then. I think I think they kind of made the wrong decision and, and everyone makes mistakes. We all know that. Uh, and I think at the start they got a little bit too excited to hype up the product because they had to kind of like get investors, right? So having to show a wheel, like if they were showing this rock man, I think they were getting less like people investing into it. But if you show that wheel as like Everyone knows it was like a marketing thing. Did everyone really expect this to see in an AR headset, even back then already? And now what we have seen with mobile phones, like even a mobile phone, I've never seen something like that will be. But I, I have seen applications from, for example, Cost AR that were way better than what they showed here. That actually had all, all the technology that you said about, you know, detecting the walls. That was there as well. This is technology that is already maybe two or yeah. three years old that they're showing right now in a, yeah. in a new device. There was nothing new in that demo that they showed. I think the thing is like developers don't even have this right now. So no one, this is something that they've created in-house just to show a concept of this is what the device is capable of to show developers to say, look, because what they're actually saying is that demo, all the assets in that demo are available for, for developers for free to pull apart, use those assets if they want to. But the developers don't even have it yet. So it's not even till later on in the summer when developers get their hands on it to really sort of play with the device yeah. and put their applications to it that we'll probably see anything that, 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 that's so that exciting. What you are basically saying is that this live stream they did was more for developers Absolutely. than for consumers. But for Absolutely. some reason, because it's public and they have to do it in some way, Absolutely. consumers are watching it and they are like, yeah. oh, what is this, you know? Exactly. Uh, and the thing is, if you watch it, like even for me, someone that's quite involved in the community, like a lot of it is all about sort of... Um, detailed parts of like the system and how it works and even i don't understand half the stuff they're talking about it's definitely aimed at developers and i think this is the problem because the public perception of all this money that's invested in this company is like we our expectations are up here what they can deliver right now is down here until 
because content is king at the end of the day until developers really get their hands on it and create something magical then we don't know what but i've seen i've seen a lot of developers on twitter and different platforms they were significantly underwhelmed with what they were able to do with exactly. this kind of headset i saw yeah, uh, for, exactly. for example robert from uh, from id was a pretty pretty big name and who knows a lot about ar and vr kind of stuff uh having worked with Carmack, uh, I mean, I think the, and he brought on some really good points there as well, because he he dissected that video in the demo as well, saying like, yeah. you know, that there's certain things that are just not right with this, because you can see, for example, when the rock is flying, that it's not detecting certain kind of things. And yeah. for something that is so-called real-time mapping, I think that's a huge issue indeed. Yeah. Mm. He, he, he mm. tweeted a lot about this and he, he seems to be pretty uh, fired about that as well. So yeah, what I, what I noticed is that a lot of people also had expectations, at least the developers, that this was yeah. going to be the next uh, Hololens. Well, that is, way, you know, but that but is, a, that is a... it's it's really close to the Hololens. It does some things better than the Hololens, mm. but overall, it's not really mm -hmm. going over that. Well, the Hololens is like two years old. Yeah. But that is to blame on Magic Leap themselves, of course, eh? because they've recreated that hype around themselves and they're working well, on secrecy. The like, that the Apple could have been better, like, but in the end, it, the next big thing. But yeah. now it seems that they're actually, no. I mean, it's 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 really I, under like the bar that they've set for themselves. I still think like, it's like you kind of need to get the hype going as yeah. well. Like they had to come from somewhere, and if they if they had shown off something silly, then it wouldn't wouldn't have worked. This wheel, for example, is still like people. If they see this wheel, they know where it's from. They know it's from yeah. Magic Leap. Yeah. Leap. So I mean, that's the thing. But I I gotta say, even if this Rockman was kind of disappointing to most consumers out there. I love the design. I want to be but really Wonka. I, I, I think magically, <laughs> no, because they, the, the backlash was crazy. And you yeah. know that video got as many dislikes as it did likes. So I'm sure Magic Leap are thinking now, like, we made a mistake here. We showed something that maybe wasn't as exciting well, or as interesting as maybe we should have yeah. shown. The thing is, the technology is exciting. Like, again, exactly. a bit like the Pimax, like I mentioned before. <laughs> You know, we're, we're criticizing something we never really had personal hands-on experience with. It's, it's exactly and like like if you compare it to the Pimax, it's exactly the same problem. They don't really communicate that well, and it yeah. builds up. And then they did a stream where they were answering uh, questions, yeah. but they were kind of dodging the ones that wanted to know about the field of view. They didn't yeah. show off like but anything. But the response to this was lacking uh, as well. And uh, then they the, made this live stream, yeah. and they actually showed something up. So it's kind of like the communication thing again, but I think in their case... At the start, they had to kind of get like the the hype going in a way, and this was the only way. And now they are. But the response like, to this um, was basically, uh, "It looks cooler in the headset." Yeah, and and that's probably right because we have the same problem <laughs> trying to convey how cool VR is as well, right? And like, unless you try it, you don't necessarily know. And I'm sure Nathy can sort of contest to having tried the Hololens himself. Yeah. But, you know, I've seen him do a Smurfs demo, and I was like, "Yeah, that looks kind of lame," but I'm sure it looks even better. When you're actually in yeah, it and experience no. like I, I i told you guys before like yes the technology is still pretty basic but if you tried it you're like i can see this this working in the near future yeah but yes i, mean, I was not impressed by the hololens i myself yeah. i tried it as well i was uh very unimpressed not for three thousand rowdy i know you wouldn't have bought it i i, I, I would say the exact the, same but then you know what's better actually if, if you take I, apple's ar kit and everything that's being built at the moment on that that's actually really good. And that That's totally shows you where this is going. I think the HoloLens is a totally unnecessary piece of kit. Yeah. I think Magic Leap is going to be a big disappointment. Let me tell but you again, another it, thing, Mike. It's uh, a development kit, right? Some information that just dropped very recently. So FCC, uh, the FCC has received uh, applications for finalization on the product. And as far as I'm aware, the Magic Leap is due to actually launch this summer. 
So within no, no, no. a time frame, that's no, it's, that's hard to go. It's it's actually is being sent to developers, developers. this summer. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it's yeah, not actually. Con- yeah, so it's going to developers. No consumers are going to get like, their hands. Yeah, but I mean, like, like DK two box. Like I mean, uh, you can get it if you're you know. No, 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 <laughs> no I don't think AI so. right now is not going to be consumer. Like we have to wait for a while to like. Yeah. You, they are not oh, yeah. going to sell any any like like AR glasses in. Yeah. Let's say the upcoming. I don't know how long, but. Yeah. Like the Hololens as well. How much was that at the start? Like five or six k when it first like yeah. launched, yeah, and now it's maybe you can get it. Well, it's a developer kit that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah, of course. But it's like it's not for the. It's just that uh, Magic Leap kind of needs to serve around the the consumers and kind of get the developers yeah. to there because right now consumers are like, yeah, you're also talking to me. So I want to, but, but it's just way too early. Like you're yes. not going to buy one in the store for, I don't know how long. But so. consumers are only like the third feeding pool. The first feeding pool is developers. The second feeding yeah, pool uh, yeah. is, is anyone who's an enthusiast who yeah. wants to trial it's, indie yeah. stuff that developers are going to be kicking out because yeah. it's, it's only going to be weeks or months. It's just a miscommunication that is like the problem here. I think like AR is what they has show, have, have been showing off so far on like actual glasses mm. is really impressive. This is the max they can do. I'm still amazed by the fact that the HoloLens, yeah, you can say whatever you want about it, but like there's a computer in there. Windows is running on it. It works perfectly with my computer. It syncs up nicely. I can do whatever I want. And yes, maybe a game that you play on it is kind of... But that's also not where we want to go to. We want to put screens on the... On, the on the most impressive thing also. that I thought was the real-time mapping. Like yeah. real-time mapping of your environment. That is and, where the and, real technology And shines. persistent objects. The fact that you can place a persistent mm-hmm. object in your world. And that means that you can place an object somewhere like a TV screen on a wall. You can walk out of the room. You come back and it will still be there. Yeah. That's that's incredible technology. That's awesome. And the thing is, yeah. this thing is jam-packed with stuff. It's got like eight cameras on the device. It's got like spatial audio, eye yeah. tracking, hand tracking. It's literally like a device that of the future that, you know, you know, yeah. it's just I, crazy. I just think they should have gone for more than just a rock monster. Maybe they should have shown <laughs> off some more like yeah. HUD as well, where yeah. you can really but, interact with screens and touch yeah. things, you know, and yeah. how that works instead of just going for a little game. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy Rowdy's meme though. Like, you know, I, I, did, I did enjoy Rowdy's meme. meme yeah. I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Like, basically, for those of you that haven't seen it, or maybe you have, but you didn't realize it was from Rowdy. But basically, it was like 2015 or something like that. Like. Robots coming through walls, then a whale, and then, oh, 2018, look, it's a rock. Imagine the Jurassic Park theme with the flute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With all the focus on the (laughs) software from this, one thing that I still think gets left behind is a focus on the hardware, like the actual form factor of the device, the fact that you've got this this pouch that you know sits on on your belt oh. the fact that you've got two cables coming up i mean the kind yeah. of drag that you get on a two cable system up the back like that that's the thing i'm maybe even more concerned about than than the software side is the form factor and how that actually works mm. physically yeah although i'd know, rather like, have like the design belt. that's the thing like if you look at the design it's a lot smaller now yes you have that that battery on the Puck. back compared yeah. to the hololens at least um, because that's like a heavy thing. Like if you wear that for an hour, you have yeah. like a like a tattoo on your nose because it's so heavy. Yeah. But uh, I mean, like from the design perspective as well, like I really like the design. And yes, you're not going to wear this out in public. The yet, we're getting yeah. there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, everyone can just hate on this little monster. But I mean, the design, yeah. I like it. I think yeah. it's really like, like, I feel like Magic Leap got closer to, I'm not sure if you ever went to their website, but they have a very good approach of, like marketing this to developers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the website is how they got two and a half billion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but also because of that, 
consumer kind of got into the mix and that's yeah. where the whole thing started i think also something that they mentioned in the stream that not many people actually touched on was that they talked about multiplayer you know if you have two people oh. with a magic leap in the same physical space they can share virtual objects interact with them together because they can throw just, rocks at each other they can throw rocks at each other because uh, they're just two computers at the end of the day now, on the that same is network awesome. that is so yeah, you know, I think there is a lot of potential in this technology. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's a long way off consumers. Um, yeah. Although they've already agreed with AT and T in the United States that they are going to be the sole distributor of this headset. So it's going to be very interesting that a mobile provider essentially are the ones that are going to be distributing it. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that in the UK and Europe as well. Whether they'll have, you know, Vodafone or O2 distributing this device. Uh, who knows? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But there we go. That is uh, the the buzz on Magic Leap and the Pimax. <laughs> so finally, let's sort of uh, round off the show with uh, Seeking Dawn. So Seeking Dawn this week finally le uh, launched on PC VR, and there's been loads of hype around this game as well. Like they've been a bit like the Magic Leap. They've been releasing very polished, very nice trailers about their game. And then in the early sort of days, they did some shady stuff, I think, in my opinion, and some stuff that kind of brought up some red flags for me as a consumer and a VR enthusiast. And that was that they were selling beta keys privately on their own website. And by buying a beta key, you had to sign up to an NDA that you couldn't talk about it. And it was like 40 bucks. And it was like, hang on a minute. This is kind of a bit weird here. Like no, no one's ever done this before. This is kind of a bit strange. And it's when people do stuff like that, you start doubting whether what they've got is a proper product or not because they were saying even when they gave keys out to people yeah you can show it off on your stream and your, your youtube video but you can only play a certain port, part of it you have to do it this way you don't have to you can't do it this way and you can't show beyond this which to me is like a little bit sketchy and i'm like mm, okay however all that said the game is actually not as bad as i anticipated it to be put it that way same so, what was the cutoff by the way mike for that i was really curious like what what was the don't show beyond what bit I, I think it's after the build, the because you can build a base. So yeah. after you've built the base and it says to you on another mission, I think that was the kind of cutoff point around that sort of period in the game. That's weird. So That and, is really and, weird. And as well, when, when devs say that, you just think, okay, if I'm going to show this to my audience, is there actually the rest of the game there? Because I'm not allowed to talk about it or show it. Yeah. And that was what was concerning to us. So we jumped into the game. Really Me and Nathie played it together. And I have to say, like, the co-op, actually works surprisingly well like uh, you can have up to four players in the game and i think if you were going to play it and I, if i was going to recommend you play it i would definitely say play it with other people you'd have way more fun doing it that way because i think maybe mm. solo is a bit, a bit lonely uh maybe a bit grindy a bit repetitive um because if you don't not aware there's actually a lot of crafting elements to the game and survival elements to the game not only is it just like a, a very polished sort of shooter and graphically it looks gorgeous with these big landscapes and beautiful alien vistas but yeah. you actually have to like craft your weapons and craft your resources and every now and again your, your character is going to get hungry and thirsty and you have to keep feeding oh, them and wow. giving them water so yeah. on the on the co-op side i do want to say that yes you can play together with your friend but it's not like you're sharing in a way it's like mike has his own resources i have mine i can do what i want to do mike can do what he wants to do it, it does feel like you are playing it together but for one reason it's kind of like a standalone thing right you have your mission mike and my i have my own mission and it kind of like like syncs up if you play it together but in the end you're playing both like your separate like like missions so as mm -hmm. long as you stay together you play yeah, so together. basically we had a fetch quest so we had to collect a certain number of resources yeah. it did it did work so like if i collected one and you collected one 
our our team total would be two. But I get what you mean. Like after that, like if it wasn't a a, a team objective, we're collecting resources separately together. Yeah. So what about the workbenches and things like that you build? Do you share that? If if Nathy builds one, can you use it? Yeah, of course. But the problem was we had with this thing was that when we crafted a workbench, we crafted it in an area and then we couldn't access the front of it because it, we actually crafted it in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then I have to yeah. then I, I have to walk through my play space through like the machine yeah. to get on the other yeah, side that, to that's, press that's the just button. your own stupidity. Yeah, that's no, just no, your own no, stupidity. No, no, if you build no, a no. counter and no. you do it the wrong way around. No, no, no. No, because it didn't give me an option. Like I didn't freaking know. And the thing is we had to turn on teleport locomotion to teleport the other side of it to actually get it to use it. And that was kind of crazy. You two, you two are like the guys that build like an Ikea closet, like have it completely finished and have the hinges on like the inside and like go like- uh, They have like-, uh, like, like, like oh, yeah. Also, I do need to say that VR base building sounds amazing in this game, but it's basically, there is already a base and you build some machines in it. That's what it is. Some dispensers, some vending machines. Yeah, it's not so on the scale. It it's it in a way where it's like, oh, build your base. It's not like you find a place on the planet. You're like, oh, I'm just going to build a house here with a door and things like that. No, it's just a spaceship that is always there. And you have like like locations where you can build on. But it's not like you can just randomly pick like places to just build whatever you want. That's not how well, it I'm going to blow your mind here, Mike, okay? You pr depress the thumbstick and that rotates the object. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, but so, so come on, like, tell me, like, I'd love to know your thoughts on it because you played it today, and Rowdy's been playing it quite a bit on his channel. So I'd love to yeah, know yeah, yeah. your guys' perspective on this one. Rowdy, like, go first. Think it's yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, the entire survival aspect, they need to get rid of that. I right. think it's ridiculous. Like uh, the food the... and the, the water thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. in the middle of like a firefight, and all of a sudden, this guy goes like, "Gee, I'm thirsty." I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, you know, you can drink something when I'm done shooting these guys, you know, like, it's so annoying to be, to be yeah. doing it. Like, oh, I could really use some food right now. I'm like, oh, and then they use like these kind of like alien burgers and that kind of stuff. Like it's, I don't know if that's like, my favorite thing, my favorite thing, the alien burger is a burger that's just inverted. That's an alien yeah, burger. Yeah, the yeah. cheese is on the bottom. The, oh, oh, no, no, the, seated, the seated bun is on the bottom as well. Like it, it is just oh. a flipped over burger and they literally in the game call it alien burger. Yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. For me, that was like, also I turned, that is what I did like. You could turn off all the huts and all the elements and all the things like blipping out. Turn all of that off. The only, what? No? Not all of it. You couldn't? No, no the, bit, the, the, bit, the Vader mask bit know, but underneath. Yeah, but, okay, I can, I can agree with that because you're wearing a helmet. You know, you're wearing a helmet and you can see like the bottom of your helmet. I I don't mind that. But you could turn like all like, you know, the, the things that I said, like you saw in the trailers as well, like there's things like flipping out, like every time you shot someone, like the numbers like popped out. You yep. can turn all of that off. So I like that, you know, this full immersion. The, yeah. the water meter and the food meter, because I don't care about that anyway, you can turn it off. Then you have no idea when you're hungry up until the guy says, oh, I'm really hungry. That's why I find it so annoying as well. So, um, the only thing is, he says that over and over again until you think. Yeah. He keeps on saying it. Yeah. Keeps, yeah, I also don't know if he dies because I, I one time he just does. ignored it. and he it just does. He does? Oh, okay. Yeah, then maybe I just didn't have the patience to wait for him to die. But um, also the, um, the, uh, the, the searching for objects and like uh, the, uh, uh, how is it called again? The resource gathering. Yeah, like fetch it. quests. I, yeah. I think it's annoying. Um, I do like it that you can do it, um, but there's no variety in that at all. Like, you know, all the rocks, they look the same to me. I don't know which kind of like resource I really need for the kind of weapons. I would just prefer that I would find weapons on the on the go and then just like get them like that. I think the resource mm -hmm. gathering and like the making your own weapons is like 
I don't need that kind of stuff. If they do something like that, it needs to be done like it's in like exactly. Subnautica. That I need to like get certain components. I need yeah, to make sense in a, in a way. It's kind kind of confusing if you play it now. You're like I, I'm looking for stuff, but I don't even know where I need to start. You know, you yeah, just they're, they're like shooting rocks, and you're like hoping that there's something in there that you need. They're bloat features. It's to put on the game to say like, oh yeah, we have a survival aspect. Oh yeah, we have. A but the thing. If you if you take all of that stuff away, that don't doesn't really work right now, then this game is freaking shallow, and there's not much to play. No, I, I don't think so because I did like. Uh, I mean, the graphics are amazing. Uh, it's are amazing. really nice. Yeah, to look they also cause the performance issues right now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> the, I, I I like the you know the little bit of story narrative that you got going on, even though it's a little bit shallow. I do like that. That is something in there. You know, that's something that pushes me on. Um, and it, it feels quite linear. I thought it would be more open world because. I don't know. I got that concept from somewhere. Um, I do like the environments and I do like the, the little bit of like uh, voice thing going on with like the, the thing. Is is this like a AAA title for me? No, it's not. It's, it's not that great. But I kind of get like that Farpoint feeling that I had with, with Farpoint. Mm-hmm. I kind of get that. Yeah. And all yeah. that resource gathering and the, um, the, the base building and the, the, the food kind of stuff. They shouldn't have put that in there because it's not of the of the quality that it needs to be for it to be a real feature of the game. I do like yeah. the, the base building. I'm not gonna, I like I think the base yeah. looked freaking awesome, and I, I do like that kind of stuff. But it didn't feel up to that level that it makes the game really yeah. better. And uh, I, I had a lot of bugs through in my my in my playthrough. Um, uh, some of them were shown in a video as well. I had one time my eye, my left eye, went completely dark. Um, yeah. Up. Uh, Save for like the, the top, because I first thought I broke my vibe because I was like, oh, I thought I was hurt so much that my eye like stopped working. You know, I had that kind of thing going on. Like yeah. I was like, this, this eye just stopped working. So I started injecting myself with those like nanobots or how they call it. So I started injecting. Ah, oh, I feel, yeah, or drinking them, whatever. You should inject them. You should go into blood. Exactly. Why do you drink them? Go- <laughs> Why do you drink them? <laughs> I- but then, you know, I drank I said, oh, I feel much better now, he said. And then all of a sudden, uh, like my eye was like it just like popped out or something it was gone and uh, I had to kill myself to get it back uh, also I don't know if there's a day and night cycle in there because all of a sudden it went like completely dark but like in like the, the fraction of a second went completely mm. dark and only the enemies could yeah. still see me but I couldn't see the enemies what, what I noticed is that it has so many parts where you need to load so load, much loading screens it's everywhere at, 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 like it's so like yeah, it's yeah. not performing well at all but from my perspective honestly I can't recommend this game maybe not at this moment maybe they will improve it later down the road who knows but it's for me it felt quite boring and I played two hours with Mike we tried to get past yeah. also the part where everyone like played until like we wanted to play some more and explore more but it felt quite repetitive in a way, where yeah. the, the AI was not intelligent, it wasn't very challenging, yeah, the resources were very annoying. I, I didn't feel like the, the at least the price they are asking for right now is is not the price you should like, no, I agree like, with that. But I, I did have fun though. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, even though with all those things that I found annoying, yeah. I played now for roughly mm. three hours, a little bit more, I think three and a half. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm still I still want to kind of continue. So yeah. for me, that says that I kind of yeah. want to. And, and I will agree with you on that. Like, it's kind of like a 50-50 recommend for me right now, yeah. because yeah. a bit a bit like uh, Nathy said, there was the things that bothered me, like pretty much what you've said, the, mm-hmm. the resource gathering, the survival elements, um, and the fact that it just kind of seemed like fetch quests. 
Mm. Um, but what I do like about it is that it's multiplayer, like playing with other people, I think is by far hands down the best way to play it. Mm. Um, and also graphically, I think it looks amazing. Yeah. I think it looks really, really great. I actually quite like the Borderlands kind of like, um, you know, critical hits and all that kind of stuff that comes off the enemies. But I guess it's down to personal preference. Um, but it's just a case of like, Right now, I think the game has a little bit more to go until it's in a state where it's going to be like a Definitely. decent game. And like you say, for the price, it's 39 US dollars, 30 quid in British pounds. No and it, it's no, it's not, no, it's not no hitting way. the same level of standards as like Lone Echo, no, for example. No. Like, well, I, I, wouldn't recommend kind of it. I wouldn't recommend it for a tenor, Mike. I mean, uh, the reason I say wow. that is that first off, whoever their game designer is for screen real estate needs to take a lesson in HUD. Because HUD is all over the feckin' place. Yes, you can switch it off, but still they have problems. Still they're giving you immersion-breaking artifacts on the screen that shouldn't be there, you know? Mm. Do I need to know where I'm going every single second I'm in and have this little ticker that says 20 meters? No. Um, I also think that, I mean, the things the game doesn't do well are that I, I don't think it's very fun uh, from what I've played so far. I give that a caveat to say they put the shite part yeah. first. And that's why I'm so surprised at the the part where they said, don't play or don't show people beyond this part because I was about to give up on the game. And I feel like once I put the three hours plus through, I got to the place after the base building comes out, after you get to the caves, you know, you start to get to places which are brighter. I mean, they start you off in the yeah. dark basically. And maybe that ties into the title Seeking Dawn. But I found it oppressive. I, I I didn't. I mean, I love the creatures. The creature design was really cool. Looking up, and there were elements yeah. of like Skyrim in there. I saw elements yeah. of Half Life, uh, some of the later Alien levels. Um, we we talked about the Subnautica element, and Rowdy, I completely agree with what you're saying in that it doesn't reach that part. It's Swiss yeah. Army Syndrome. It's yeah. like I want a bit of this, I want a bit of that, but the whole package together doesn't seem to be cohesive, mm. and graphically. I think it's got the same oily veneer that an old game called Caffeine, which was built in the Unreal Engine, has. It's got this kind of oily look to everything, and I really don't like that. It's got this kind of bitty texture thing going on throughout the game. Yeah, it's just everything. And then you're playing it on the high level. Some of the stuff is very good, like the creature, the way that they attack you. Um, It took me forever to realize that you can make. A gun for yourself. Maybe that's because of some of the HUD elements I turned off. So I was trying mm. to take down really tough opponents with just, you know, one one pistol. <laughs> so and, yeah. and finally, my final gripe, because I like the gripes on this, is if you've got a weapon that's for taking down trees and there are obvious tree-shaped objects out there, it should take those down, not the plant that looks like an aloe vera plant. It should take down the trunks it of does, the trees. No? Right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't take down tree trunks. It only takes down fecking this leafy bush thing. I, I took down trees. <laughs> okay. I wish I wish they just spent some more time on the mechanics instead of the visuals. Because yes, I agree. The visuals are amazing, and they they sh- also showed off so many trailers before it came out. But I I always felt like they were trying to hide like the actual core of the game until the launch. And now the launch is there, and now we see the true game. And and for me, it's always like yes. The first 30 minutes can be super polished and it can be amazing. But what about those two hours after or those three hours or, you know, so I don't know. For me, it feels like it's overpriced at this moment for what you get. 
uh, I would love to see them, like you know, uh, showing up a roadmap with with all the fixes they are going to work yeah. on. It's the opposite this of is that, a triple, though, isn't it? This is a triple A price. This is not like almost no, like I I rarely see anyone asking these prices. This is a very high price. It is a high so, price. Game, like, so just to put it put it around the table to sort of whether you would recommend the game or not. I sort of give it a fifty fifty. Like be be very wary of this one because like you say is it, i think the devs are invested in making this a good game eventually but it's going to take some time to listen to the community feedback and reiterate on it but you know i am intrigued to go yeah. back i do want to a bit like rowdy says i kind of want to go back just to see where it goes so it does have that draw for me mm -hmm. but it's very expensive for what it is so it's kind of like a a, a very loose like 50 50 like real on the fence about recommending it or not mm -hmm. what about you nathan you said you wouldn't recommend it don't don't buy it not and at what this about moment, you, at least. My recommendation is watch someone else play it through because I think it's actually quite interesting, um, but it's not worth that price. And okay. for me, I'm going to have to give it another go because the first two hours, I was banging my head against my desk, essentially. But the second, the third hour in that chunk, I thought yeah. the game really started to open up and a lot of it yeah. had to do with the darkness and a lot of it had to do with the creatures and environments that you start to see later on. Yeah. Okay. And Rowdy? Same as you, Mike. Uh, yeah. I, I want to I continue the game uh, myself, but would I buy it for that price? Probably not. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. I think it's important to, to, to tell people that as well, because like a lot of people are playing the game and just saying, yeah, the, the game's brilliant, like the best game ever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it's important for us, you know, uh, as people that are sort of in the community and uh, to sort of tell it how, how it is, you know, and I think very few people actually do that. So I think it's important to let you also, guys know. Also, it has to do with, of course, that like you said, like it's a little bit of a dry season, you know, there's not a lot of stuff yeah. coming out which yeah. makes it easier for a title like this to like kind of rise in the ranks because yeah. it's, it's, it has that yeah. just a little bit more than the other titles have at the moment. Absolutely. But, it, but Subnautica but is there yeah. and Solus Project oh, yeah. is there. Go, if you want a survival game, go and play those instead. Yeah, or, yeah. or uh, Star Shelter. If you want a survival game, go and get that one. Brilliant mm -hmm. title. Still one yeah. of my favorites. Or Skyrim. So just before we sort of wrap this one up, it'll be very interesting because, you know, like you guys have mentioned about the performance issues and we've all got pretty like, badass pcs so like how is this going to run on playstation because this is coming to playstation apparently oh, shoot, is VR. um and, and like well, we've mentioned previously on the show about like the the sony qa it's super tight and if they can't maintain a decent frame it rate it might be the perfect then... platform it might because q the thing is i've said this to you before mike i choose playstation when i want to broadcast a game because maybe it's a lower fidelity and lower resolution but you hit like solid frame and i was having trouble even on low i was having trouble yeah, um, yeah. I, I even had on my PC like because I I record and, and play on a different PC, but even there I had still like things like popping up uh, during my playthrough, like yeah. you know, like the render distance was literally like a, an arm an arm away sometimes, and then when yeah. things would just like pop up in the screen. I, I, I mean, that's not game breaking. Had, but I, I just went constantly to to that Steam uh, VR loading screen, you know, where you're just stuck in there for a oh, second, God. and then I was like, Mike, where are you? You know, and then it was already yeah. moving on because I, I I couldn't see anything for for a couple of like seconds. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, I think they okay. should improve that part. Like the... So let me just wrap this one up then. So just a reminder, it's a weekly uh, VR, AR, and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on Nathie's YouTube channel. You can tune into the show live at 7 p.m. in Europe. 6 p.m. in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. If you missed the live stream, you can catch up with the whole show as I re-upload it every Sunday on my own channel, Virtual Reality Oasis, or check out the uh, the podcast uh, audio-only version. You can listen to it on your commute or as you're doing the chores and just listen to our lovely voices and guide you through the best and worst in VR. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, until uh, next week uh, when we will be back with another fresh show. Before, Hope you will have a good week. And until then. We, oh, Before we go, there's one thing you need to tell uh, everyone, Mike. There's like a little secret we have been working on for a while now. Oh, there is? Yeah. <laughs> Please let me know. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know about it. It's the biggest uh, thing ever. It's now you've got me. You've got me triggered. I, yeah. I, 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 I think... Um, Save what it is next it? Week, then. We'll save <laughs> it for next week. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, if we, you guys we... want to know what our little secret is, tune in next week. Then, uh, leave it on the next yeah. Yeah. <laughs> secret that I don't even know about. I just want so to. Secret. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we, we, we will be back with our secret <laughs> okay. that I don't even All know right. about. <laughs> so, so stay tuned for that one. Sure. Until then. Until then. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>